thank you today, Lord, for this time of worship that we have had and the time of being able to gather in this place. Now, give us ears to hear the word of God. Uh, We thank you for the women at the convention, those that have been there participating, that you will bless them. And as they return today, give traveling mercy. Uh, We thank you for all that you have done and are doing. Bless this body, your people. May we be the people of God that carries forth the word of God. We give all glory to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, as you know, I'm picking up with part two of the message that we began. So today I'm going to give you point three and then move into another portion of scripture that we're going to read. I think I gave the scripture to Anisha. I did text you. Okay, thank you. We're going to read, um, I don't know if I'm going to deal with verse 7, but we're going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And this is how it reads, Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow us on the board. Chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles, our fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the will of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. I'm going to read, which I did not give an issue, one verse in chapter 2, verse 22. Ephesians 2, verse 22 reads, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The title again is, Do Not Try to Build on Your Own Foundation, Part 2. Do not try to build on your own foundation. Whenever you build, you really need to be careful to have a sturdy foundation. After God set the foundation in place to this world, he began the building process. He, in fact, said that everything that he made was good, and then he said it was very good. Now, God took great care to make a wonderful body. God has told us that we are the temple of God and that we are to take care of the temple that he has made. You cannot just do anything you want with your body. Your body will say, I don't play that. So you've been made in a magnificent way. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 talks about you being the temple. If you want to write that down and check it out later. If your foundation has problems, as I mentioned to you last week, it will eventually show evidence in the building itself. If you build on anything other than the solid foundation of Christ, 
spiritually, your temple will eventually begin to show cracks and problems. If God is your foundation, he should be able to inhabit his dwelling place. Do you not know you are the dwelling place of Christ? You are God's dwelling place. I'm going to pick up with point three today from last week, which we didn't give. And it is, I am God's dwelling place. I am God's dwelling place. If you want to be pleasing to God, then he must be housed in you. God does not like living on the outside. You understand that, right? God made you in order to indwell you. You are the temple or what's called the dwelling place of God. As we mentioned before, in the Old Testament, when they came out of Egypt, the children of Israel spent over 400 years in Egypt. And on the time that they were being delivered, God took them through a route that nobody would have been able to do before. In fact, the direction that he told them to go was such a problem that the people said when the Egyptians began to come after them, we are trapped. We have the sea here and we have the mountains here. We are hemmed in. Did God bring us out of Egypt to destroy us? Why didn't he send us a different way? God will oftentimes create situations in your life that only he can take the steps to resolve. He'll create crises in our life at times. Now, we do live in a body that is deteriorating. You understand that? We mentioned last week the second law was, maybe I mentioned it in Wednesday night Bible, so I don't remember where I mentioned it. But the second law of thermodynamics means that things are deteriorating. Things are not increasing in, in complexity. They are actually deteriorating. So we're losing information. Because things are being lost, because there is a curse on this world due to sin, God has said that this world is going to pass away and this body will eventually pass. But God has prepared a place for us with him in glory. So this is not your real home, but you are required to take care of it. When the Lord was taking the children of Israel through the leaving, leading them out, rather, out of Egypt and taking them towards the promised land. He took them in a route that would cause them to ponder, why did God bring us this way? Because there's no escape. And the Bible said that Moses started pleading to the Lord. The Lord said, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Go forward. As he looked at the Red Sea, the Lord told him, stretch out your arm. And when he did, the Bible says the waters began to back out. You see what God does? God doesn't just like to do the ordinary things. Let me just, he, just, he just likes to blow your mind. Things that you say is impossible. The doctor says, well, it doesn't look good. God has a way. He says, well, they don't have the final word. And so as the Lord took them through the promise, through the Red Sea towards the promised land, there were points along the way of rest, and the Lord had told them that they were to construct a tabernacle. This tabernacle was an example or was a symbol of what was in heaven. And the Lord said, Moses, construct it just as I tell you to construct it. Don't deviate from the plan. 
tabernacle had been constructed, the Lord himself came and indwelt that tabernacle so that Moses could not enter it because of the presence of God. He had to wait outside because of God's presence. When Solomon was given instructions about building the permanent uh, temple in Jerusalem, after he finished, the Bible says that God's presence filled the temple. It showed that God was present, that he had put his blessing and anointing on that temple. God said that my spirit is here. I have blessed this temple. When everything was done, he put his stamp of approval on it. Do you not know that when God indwells something, it is his stamp of approval? Then we come to the New Testament. And as we have been looking, that God had said, there's a mystery that I'm going to reveal to you. There's a mystery that I've been holding back. And as Paul begins to talk about this mystery that God was revealing that we'll see in chapter 3 and have read before that, but, but we see that God was doing something with the people. And he says, do you not know you are the temple of God? You are God's dwelling place, just like he had indwelt the tabernacle in the Old Testament, just like he filled the temple in Jerusalem, The Lord says, my ultimate goal was to fill you, to to have you house me. And so Paul says here to to those, the Gentiles, to those he's writing to, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We serve the same God yesterday. Back in the Old Testament, we serve the same God today and forever. God is the same. God has not lost any of his power. You are now the dwelling place of God if you are owned by him. If he has saved you, if he is your keeper, your master, he comes to indwell you. No longer the temple. So when people say, oh, isn't God's spirit in that church? Well, today you are the church. You are the body of Christ. God's feeling is to be in you. Oh, it's nice coming to the building. That's wonderful. But, but don't get it wrong. God wants to infill you. And his purpose is to have himself in you so that you are able to display his glory. How incredible to think that we have the privilege of having the almighty God dwell in us and give direction to our lives. The same God that, that, that drove the Israelites out of Egypt. The same God that destroyed Pharaoh and his army in the sea. Says, I'm going to be the God that indwells you. <laughs> People who believe that they can live as a saint without God are seriously mistaken. How is it that people think that they can live without God and call themselves Christian? I, t- I just don't get it. You see, because Christian means to be Christ-like. We talked about this last week. You see, Christ, Christian, Christian, as I mentioned to you, it comes from those who didn't know the Lord. They were making fun of the, the saints. They said they act just like Christ, so they're the Christ ones. Christians came from the group who were making fun of the saints. 
But oh, when the world can look at you and say there's something different about you, that means you're doing something. You are representing something. So say you can say, bless the Lord, rather than trying to hide. You can say, oh, how wonderful that you see a difference in my life. I, I went to, a, when I was young, I went to a club. And rather than say, hey, what's up, Mark? I heard the word. What are you doing here? That's what I heard. <laughs> because there was an expectation that they had of me that I didn't go out clubbing. So I had to just make sure I didn't go to the same club they went to. <laughs> Solve that problem. <laughs> but I was not much of the party type. Didn't always feel like I wanted to be at the party. But there are occasions where I, I went, I wanted to try to be like somebody else. But I tell you, that just was not my scene. But let me tell you this. When God's stamp of approval is on your life, it'll be seen early, early on. Even though you might try to run and try to hide. And don't forget this. Because you've been made in the very image of God, God has always had his hand and a plan for you. You just have not yet discovered it. If God gave you the privilege of building on your own foundation, what was the what what was the reason for him deciding to come to this world in order to give you a right to be made, to make you right with him, to give you the privilege to be declared righteous in his sight? Why would he come if you could do it yourself? There would be no reason for him to come if you could build on your own foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone that we must build on. Not only is he the foundation, but he's that special piece, that, that part that is oftentimes written on and given information that everything else fits around and is joined to. He is the cornerstone. And not only are we stones, but we are lively stones put into the building into that dwelling place, growing as the body grows and people come in to the church. The ecclesia, the Greek means the called out ones. You are the ecclesia. You are the called out ones. You don't need to always try to be a part of the in crowd. Stop looking for a different dwelling place. God is indwelling you. Stop telling God, go find someone else. I'm not good enough. No, you're not good enough. He came when you were in sin. He came when you were telling him to go away. That's when he came. Isn't it interesting that God came at the point when you were rejecting him? Now, most people get the message. I can get the message quickly. Tell me to go away. Fine. I'm gone. I'm out of here. <laughs> but Jesus came and did his greatest work. When you didn't even want him. That's love. We call that agape. That love to where it, it, it causes him to act on your behalf, even though you may not know it at the time. That's exactly what you need. You are the dwelling place of God. So when you're about to do something, the Holy Spirit said, don't, don't do that. That's because you're the dwelling place. That little boy, where did that, that come from? Who said, who said that? Go and do this. Nobody looking. Don't don't do that. I heard it again. The Lord will speak to you. He'll speak right to your spirit. And there you go talking to yourself. Why? How come I can't do it? I should be able to do this. Everybody else is doing it. And you have a you think you're having a conversation with yourself, and you're having a conversation with the Holy Spirit because He's speaking to your conscience. You ought not to do this. 
You belong to me. I indwell you. There's sometimes when people say, when they get upset, I'm going I'm to set my religion aside and tell this person a thing or two. Don't set it aside. Don't, 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 don't go there. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't become God's dwelling place when it's convenient. You are always God's dwelling place. And then when you blow it, you go try to go sit somewhere and it's all quiet. The Holy Spirit says, you know you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know you could have done that differently. And you go try to cover your head. Yeah. Now you know you got to go get it right. <laughs> that person was wrong. They shouldn't have said that. Yeah, but go get it, get it right. Clean it up. I live in you. You're my dwelling place. So when the Lord begins to indwell you, you begin to sense there's something different that he's doing. Point number four. Building a foundation on intercessory prayer. Ephesians 3, 1 through 3. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul begins what's called an intercessory prayer, but you wouldn't know it because as soon as he starts it at verse number 1, he stops it. There's a dash, there's a pause. He does not complete the sentence. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. Paul does not pick up the prayer that he began for the Gentiles until you get to verse 14. And we'll get to that down the road. But Paul begins here an intercessory prayer. You see, intercessory, intercessory prayer is when you begin to pray for somebody else. Prayer does not have any boundaries. Prayer can reach right, right across the Pacific as well as the Atlantic Ocean. Prayer cannot be stopped because you go inside four walls. Intercessory prayer is those prayers that are often offered on behalf of someone else. And here Paul is an individual who says in his passage here, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he has a thought that comes into mind and he stops and gives the details of his life, of how he was called, and even within that gives the secret that God was in fact doing. It is believed that Paul possibly, when he says, I am a prisoner, is literally talking about him being a prisoner. You know there's the two types of prison. There can be a spiritual prison that we live in, but there's also a physical. Paul was actually in physical prison or house arrest. If you were to look at Acts chapter 28, you will find that there was a problem of Paul dealing with prison. Even in Acts 21, where he was actually um, had left the Ephesians, the, the elders, and was heading on, he was arrested. And do you not know that he was arrested because of his ministry to the Gentiles? You see, Paul was not called to build his foundation on himself, but to minister to those who were the outcasts. My, my nephew plays basketball, and, and, and he's actually been pretty, he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's been able to play professionally and over in Italy, Spain, a little bit in the NBA, but he, he loves to play. And he always took the challenge when somebody said, you can't make it. He took it as a challenge and says, watch. 
And when he was talked about and things said, he took it as a way of saying, I'll show them. So he took the negative comments that people would make and turned it around and worked even harder. Nobody even knew his name. Who? Who was this kid? And they had offered scholarships to other people. But when they then tried him out, where did this kid come from? Petaluma, where's Petaluma on the map? Here in Kansas and Kentucky and Ohio State. Petaluma, as one of the disciples says, can anything good come out of? (laughs) Yes. But God can take those very things that are negative, those things that are, we could even say, a problem, and turn it around. And God used Paul. As he begins to recount a man that was killing the church, sending the saints to prison, tracking them down from city to city, out to crucify the body of Christ. The Lord called him your worst nightmare. In fact, Paul was so notorious that when he came to town, people said, it's time to go. And they take up and pack up and leave. And when the Lord changed his very soul, people said, we don't believe him. Pray with one eye open and one eye closed. Watch him. Have you ever heard pray like this? Looking at people as you pray? Don't close both eyes with Paul. (laughs) You don't want to close both eyes. As Paul begins to describe to the Gentiles the fact that he was called by God. And it says in his statement, assuming that you have heard, in verse number two, assuming that you have heard, have led some people with that statement to believe that Paul was not the author of the book of Ephesians. Because they are saying that, oh, if Paul was the author, in fact, some have said that, no, he wasn't the author. It was a, a different person who was the author of Ephesians because of the similarities between uh, Ephesians and Colossians. I'm not going to go through all the details of that, but, but it has been established that, yes, Paul is indeed the author. And so when Paul says assuming, which is a way of saying if, or in their way of writing, since you have heard, since you have heard this information, it was not bringing doubt that Paul had written to them or that they hadn't heard. He was says, since this information is uh, um, has been made known to you. He also, you also have to note that the church was growing. There were some people that Paul had not met. And so assuming that you have heard, as I said, led some commentators to believe that he was not the author, but he is. He's speaking from the perspective, since you have heard or because you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. Stewardship of God's grace. There's been many that led to discuss even that. But I feel like I need to not maybe dwell on that right now. I'm going to just move on and give me just a few more minutes and I'm going to be done. When we think of stewardship, it is a very important word. Stewardship means that you're not the owner. Oh, Lord, this quiet got really quiet on me. No, I'm not saying that you don't own certain things, but ultimately it's God who gives. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not into this political correctness that everybody, you go work and you give it to everybody. Now, I'm not into that. I didn't go study, you know, all these years and be in the back crying over my lessons to go say, well, another person sat in the house watching TV that I should give them everything I have. No, that, 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 I don't believe that. The government might believe it, but I don't. So you can tell the government, House of Congress, that I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible even teaches that. When we consider stewardship, the fact that God gives, we understand that we don't ourselves own, but that we are managers of what God gives. We manage what he gives to us. Some people are very good managers. Some people are not so good managers. But we're managers. And so Paul was saying, I have been given the stewardship of God's grace. What does that mean? Does it mean that Paul himself was teaching his own message? When he says, I've been given the stewardship, was it Paul's message? He says, no. It has led some to believe that Paul is speaking that God had given Paul a special privilege of representing him, and he became the steward of what God had given them to give on to the Gentiles. To pass along, I love what Sister Lynette said today, that she was called in and received a blessing. You know when you're called into the principal's office, it's not always good. A daughter not. Oh, Lord. But there's a blessing when you've been faithful. Remember this. When you sow, and this just came hot off the press, not in my notes. When you sow, you reap later than when you sow. And you reap more. Then you sow. Stop trying to reap when you just planted yesterday. You may have to wait a little bit. Reaping and sowing are principles established in the Bible. When you sow, you're going to reap. You reap what you sow. So stop looking for apples when you have planted collard greens. I just thought I'd just throw that in there for you. So when Paul says that I have become a steward of God's grace, he goes from the perspective that I was the very one destroying the church. And in fact, he calls himself the least of God's saints because of what he was doing. And yet God showed Paul and showered Paul upon him such this incredible mystery, this incredible revelation that he gave to Paul on the road of Damascus as he was going to bring the saints back to Jerusalem to try them and to kill them. God showed himself. This revelation was given to Paul when he was going to destroy the very saints. And so Paul... As he's beginning this prayer, he pauses, assuming that you have heard. He says, when you read this in verse 4, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in the other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Listen to this. Members of the same body and partakers in the promise. Paul says 
that one, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, one. Two, they are members of the same body. That was unheard of because they were separated, had their own worship service. The Gentiles couldn't go into the temple. That's what Paul was even accused of in Acts 21. That's one of the things they were accusing him when he was arrested. And number three, they are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Your defense should not be we stick together because of race. It should be we stick together because we are saints. Because of what Christ has done, it is never based on you or your color. Never make you the issue. It is always Christ. So Paul says that I was given the privilege of showing that God had called the Gentiles and the Jewish people to partner together together and to become saints, and we are united in Christ. We worship together in Christ, one place, one building, one Christ, one God, one salvation, all through him. Paul says, assuming you have heard of this, what? Because he had already just said it back in chapter 1 and 2, specifically looking at verses 11 through 22 of chapter 2, as he described who Christ was and what he had done. And Paul says, it was not made known to the older generation, to the saints. In the past are the, the, the prophets and the older prophets in the Old Testament, but God revealed it to me. I'm a part of this. He did it by a divine revelation. Today you may not be getting divine revelation, and if you do, I'm going to be looking at you very strange. I expect you to go to the Bible. The Lord may speak, but I'm saying, if you say, oh, the Lord has given me a completely different message than what the word of God says, I'm going to say, I don't think so. Verse 6, and I end. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery, the Gentiles. And the Jewish nation, those who say yes to Christ, that the group, Gentiles includes everybody outside of the Jewish nation. He said, the Jewish nation, those who have said yes to Jesus, not just because they were Jewish, but because they said yes to Christ. And the Gentiles, they are heirs together, fellow heirs. Get this, because of the foundation of Jesus Christ in him. So, if your foundation is built on anything but the foundation that is in God, you're building on your own foundation. So, as I said in the title, do not try to build on your own foundation. May God bless you. Amen.